0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is
1: Believe.
0: Hey, what's up? Welcome back into the Moment of Cluth podcast. You know as well as I do that the NFL is back. College football is back, the MLB, NHL, and the NBA. It's almost like we're back to normal. Well, you might not be able to be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online and have a little extra fun. Every now and then it's something that I enjoy doing. I got a little lucky here with a few prop bets over the weekend, so I'm excited about that. And you know, really from game spreads to totals, teams, players, coaching props, whatever you're looking for, it gives you more options to wager and that's what I like best about it. I think some of the bets are more interesting than other places online and there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag and take advantage of the great signup bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag, and sign up today. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. This week's guest is Rams insider, founder, and creator of the LA Football Podcast Network here on the Believe Podcast Network, Ryan DiRude. In this episode, we review the Rams week one performance, and Ryan breaks down what to look for in week two when the Los Angeles Rams head to Philly to take on the Philadelphia Eagles.
2: Welcoming in now to the Moment of Cluth podcast is Rams insider and the creator and founder of LA Football Podcast and Network, Ryan DiRude. Ryan, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Megan, thanks for having me. Excited to uh, talk a little Rams football with you.
2: Of course. And now that I'm in LA, I'm excited to jump into this. This is why I wanted to have you on this podcast today. So the Rams starting off the season 1-0 at the new SoFi Stadium. Let's talk about how awkward it was playing in front of no crowd at a $5 billion stadium.
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, welcome to Los Angeles. Uh, great city to be in. I know it's uh, a rough, I don't know when you moved here, but with the uh, pandemic and now the fires, you're you're not seeing the best of us, but uh, it's a good city. So, but so far, it's an amazing, amazing um, feat, amazing accomplishment. I was actually visited there back in February um, before everything shut down. And from then they were, it looked like years away from finishing. So the fact that they finished on time, I think is a feat in itself, um, but it's an amazing to stay But yeah, it's it's interesting watching these games. I think television does a good job of the, because of the crowd noise, it sounds still the same, but once they mm-hmm. pan out and you see no one in there, and, and you can hear like the sideline guys like yelling stuff and guys yelling at the line of scrimmage, and they had to like bleep stuff out is always kind of a little awkward. but mm-hmm. you know, they're doing the best they can, but yeah it's definitely a strange phenomenon watching the sport that probably has the greatest home advantage of any sport there is having absolutely zero.
2: I spent the last year flying back and forth between Chicago and LA, which is where I moved from. And I actually am impressed with how quickly they got this done. I did not think it was going to be ready for the season, but I'm glad it is. If
1: I wasn't really, really paying attention, I I kind of felt like I was at least involved in a a normal atmosphere. But I think, like I said, when they pan out and stuff, you can totally see it. But I think for the home viewing experience, it hasn't been a huge difference. At least in my opinion, I watched football all day yesterday. I watched on Thursday. I know they technically had fans on Thursday. But, Um, From a home view, I don't think it was that big of a difference, but certainly if you're a a media member in the stands or in the actual press box, that's where it's probably a much more strange uh, phenomenon.
2: Let's break down the game a little bit. So the Rams were up, they were down, they were teetering, and then they won it with two big hits and a horrible Cowboys decision that had there been fans in that house would have had the roof rocking. I want to break down this game a bit. Let's start with the offense and the quarterback position. Jared Goff went 20 for 31 in the game through 275 yards and did not actually have any touchdowns and one interception, which came after a missed call by the refs with his helmet mm-hmm. and shoved in his face. Overall, great day for golf, but also a conservative day for the Rams. Nothing really jaw-dropping in terms of big plays. How would you grade the Rams' offense yesterday?
1: Uh, well, they played like – it's funny because they, they had the same system now going into year four, but I felt like they played like an offense that was playing very conservative. They played like an offense that was – Felt like it had a lot of new wrinkles in it, but with such limited practice availability this off season, they were kind of just taking their time, working the, you know, working the defense a little bit. But what I liked about it is they went back to their 2018 form, of, you know, a lot of play action, a lot of screen passes, a lot of, you know, getting receivers involved on short intermediate routes. We saw Robert Woods in the first drive have, I think, two bubble screens. Um, and the biggest thing for me was not abandoning the run, which is the biggest thing for Jared Goff to get going last year. You know, we can talk about Todd Gurley or not because it kind of got outplayed last year. But but the the talk of him not getting enough carries or Sean McVay abandoning the run very early on didn't happen this game. Even when they did fall behind a little bit, you know, they ended the game with 40 carries, which was unheard of last year. So I like they went back to that because that's what made them so great in 2018 in their Super Bowl run mm. was the ability to run the ball and then use the play action. And then Jared Goff could you know, be more, you know, felt comfortable in the pocket, but they also opened up for big plays. So we didn't see the big plays yesterday. Part of that credit, Dallas has a very good defense. That doesn't get mm-hmm. talked about a lot. Have a very good front seven. Obviously we're bit by a couple injuries, unfortunately, but, but I thought Goff played very well. He got the ball out of his hands very quickly, which I think is going to be a big theme this season. And um, overall I was, I was pleased with the offensive performance. You know, missed a couple opportunities, but I think they'll clean that up. And I expect them to be at least much better than we saw last year, which I think will have Rams fans. I agree with
2: you. I think they did a great job at pushing the ball down the field with a clear intent to help the offensive line and not allow the Cowboys defensive line to cause a ton of issues. They knocked their pass rush off plan and it worked really well, but I don't think we've seen the best of Jared Goff yet. Want to go to the defense now. Defense had an up-and-down performance, but the Rams, like you said, managed to hold the Cowboys to 17 points, which is a huge accomplishment, given that this is arguably one of the best offensive lines in football. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting to see how the new scheme under defensive coordinator Brandon Staley. What did the Rams do well yesterday in terms of defense?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, you said it. the kind of up-and-down you know, started off. I think had the first drive very good, and then they kind of ended the half allowing the Cowboys to kind of do whatever they wanted, where they got their 14 points to take the lead. But in the second half, only giving up three points. So that was one of the biggest things why McVay moved on from Wade Phillips and brought in Brandon Staley it was because he wanted a coordinator is going to make adjustments at half, adjustments in game to what the offense is getting. And they certainly did that by only allowing three points in the second half. Um, we talk about personnel groupings. Uh, the biggest surprise for me was rookie sixth-round pick Jordan Fuller, mm-hmm. who ended up getting a start over Taylor Rapp. Who Nothing against Taylor Rapp. I think Fuller just did so much in camp, even more than his counterpart, Terrell Burgess, who was drafted in the third round. Um, so I thought he had a really good game. He was everywhere. Um, but we saw, and I kind of talk about this all offseason because there was a lot of concern about the inside linebacker position um, for this team. But Brandon said he's going to run a lot of nickel, a lot of dime, a lot of three safety sets. There's going to be a lot of nickel corners in there. And we saw that pretty much 90% of the game um, in these personnel groupings. So there's a lot of, uh, you know, many times we saw Rap and Fuller and Jan Johnson both, or all three of them on the field. Um, so I thought they did a good job of, you know, rotating guys in and out being very um, intricate in what they were doing, but also, as I mentioned with the offense, this actually is a brand new defense they were learning. So it's going to take time to progress. And we saw that from first half to second half and, you know, they got kind of bailed out maybe by a questionable call at the end, but I thought overall um, they played very good uh, for what they were going up against in a very, very solid Dallas Cowboys team in front of a, non-existent home crowd so there was no home field advantage which the defense plays to so Mm -hmm. and I didn't even get to Aaron Donald I don't know if you want to talk about him but obviously that guy's a one-man wrecking crew is one of the highlights has been going around the Twitterverse if you will
2: we'll get to Aaron Donald let's talk about it
1: (laughs) I mean the dude is so good right I, I don't know how much you watch of it but he's a game wrecker he's on every play there's that one highlight that's everyone's I don't know if you've seen it but it's going over everywhere he's lining up on the outside outside of Tyrone Smith tackle he juts inside and knocks over two offensive players plus a running back on his way to Dak ended up getting the pass off, but on his way to Dak. So the guy's in on every play. He makes the players around him better. We saw Michael Brockers get a sack out of it. We saw Leonard Floyd get a sack out of it. So anytime Aaron Donald's healthy and uh, doing what he's doing, it's a good day for the Rams and they'll be competitive every single game
2: hate to lean on cliches here, but I do think that if the Rams can stay healthy this season, they are Super Bowl bound. After seeing what I saw yesterday and holding the Cowboys to 17 points, another rookie on the field, mm-hmm. Sam Sloman, settled in as a starter yesterday. Walk me through the special teams performance and what you liked and didn't like.
1: About yeah, obviously, shaky start. Uh, he was kind of qu- questioned, I should say, why they went with him over... Uh, Liram and then uh, Austin McGinnis. They had a three-man camp battle for the kicker, and he probably had the worst camp out of the three, or at least throughout the the scrimmage process. They had the two scrimmages at SoFi, um, but he finished strong at camp. And usually when you have draft capital in the guy, and he's obviously the youngest of the bunch, is who you're going to go with. So missed his first kick, 29-yarder, kind of a gimme, you know, pitching wedge shot, shorter than even an extra point. But he bounced back good. He then made his next two kicks, obviously made all the extra points. Um, he's got a big, strong leg. Uh, So I thought um, he bounced back, and I think they should have confidence in moving forward. I know guys will be nervous, at least fans will be nervous every time they see him now. But I think he's going to be a good, good um, kicker. And as far as the rest of the special teams, you know, didn't give up any really any big plays. Um, CeeDee Lamb was the punt returner mostly for the Cowboys. They were able to contain him. Um, Cooper Cup did punt return duties for the Rams and usually just fair caught it. I don't know if that's scripted because I don't want to risk any injury for their new $48 million guy. But um, overall, I thought special teams didn't hurt the team at all, and they didn't really – I guess benefit, I don't, benefits the wrong word, but didn't push the team into farther positives. But if they don't hurt the team, that's usually a good thing for special teams.
2: What would you mm. like to see changed this week, and how can they improve for Week Two?
1: Yeah, so they, they'll travel out to Philadelphia, go out east, and uh, a Philly team that I don't know how many of your listeners know this, but blew a 17 to nothing lead to give up 24 answer, unanswered points. So I'm sure they're going to be hungry to bounce back, and then the Rams, obviously coming off a win have to sustain that uh, positive energy but you know changes I, I think for defensive wise stay the course I think they as I mentioned they got stronger throughout the game so there's really not a whole lot they need to build upon on that uh, one thing I'd like they did from first half to second half which is pressuring the quarterback that was one thing I taught I did a little mid-halftime recap and I was like they need to pressure the quarterback first drive Michael Brockers comes out and gets a sack so that's something I want to see sustained throughout the game um, and then offensively it's just sticking to the run game um, that opens things up for him. And then, like I said, in that first drive, Robert Woods getting three big plays right off the bat, and then he was kind of non-existent again until the second half. So once they move away from the script, I'd like to see McVeigh and the scheme kind of stick to what was working on that, you know, because every team has their first script, 15, 20 plays or so. Um, so hopefully just those guys that were able to be really big contributors, they're able to keep with that and uh, really attack the Eagles secondary, which is probably their weakest point of their defense is that secondary. So if they are able to get those screens and short intermediate plays going early, it'll open things up for the big plays where we could see, you know, Van Jefferson or, or Cooper cup going down the middle uh, deep and, and open things up. So, so that's what I like to see from.
2: Them. Well, thank you, Ryan, for coming on. I'd love to do something like this with you. I know that you've got your own podcast. Where can people find that?
1: Yeah, no, thanks so much for having me. So yeah, it's the LA football podcast myself and a former NFL player, Frosty Rucker, with me. So it's a lot of fun. Um, we air it on Mondays and Thursdays, typically. But you can just find it at LAFBnetwork.com or, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.
2: Uh, what are your Instagram, Twitter, Facebook handles so people can follow you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. Uh, Twitter, I'm just Ryan Dyrude, LAFB. Uh, everywhere else is Ryan Dyrude, first, last name. So pretty, pretty pretty easy to find me.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Ryan. It's great to speak with you. Have a good week. Thank you for listening to the Moment of Cluth podcast, now available anywhere you listen to your podcasts. I'm your host, Megan Cluth. If you enjoyed this episode, please download it and share with others. Subscribe to be notified when new episodes air. Visit megancluth.com to get in touch. Head over to my YouTube page to watch my latest interviews and stay tuned for more great conversations. Thank you for listening to Believe.